Happy Sabbath, everybody. Glad to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. It's the Sabbath, and uh, it's just a good time for us to fellowship with one another and to fellowship with Christ, and I always look forward to the Sabbath. How about you? Anybody else here? Look forward to the Sabbath. Look forward to a time where we can just come aside and rest a while and kind of push the pause button on, on life and on stress and just kind of uh, exhale into God's presence. So I'm indeed thankful for the Sabbath. And, and you know, I just want to say thank you again to Pastor Edmonds for giving me this opportunity to come and just a warm reception from each of you all. Um, I have been just as blessed as you have by me being here. And um, as many of you all have come to me and spoke with me personally, um, me coming here has just been kind of a renewal for myself as well and reminded me of some things that I need to continue to implement in my life and continue to depend on, depend on God for. And so I praise God for it. We're going to go into the Word, and today we're going to, you know, we've been dealing with uh, 40 for Family, and we're going to be dealing with uh, the whole element of marriage and sexual relations and, you know, intimacy and sexual purity. And for this session, we're going to deviate just slightly. We're still going to be dealing with it, but in a more, in, in an indirect way. Um, last night, we, we covered three things. Who was here last night? Let me see your hands. Last night, we covered three things. If you remember them, they're on the board. The first one was that you need to experience what in your life? Crisis, that at some point, God will expose you. The second point was what? That you have to get to a point where... You give up, you stop trying, you just totally depend on God. And the third point was what? That you have to engage your will. You have to be obedient to the Word of God. Well, today, I actually want to kind of focus on that second point, on what it really means, what it really looks like to relinquish our, relinquish our, our self, relinquish our will, and just really give up and just let God have His way. So before we go into the Word of God, I'm going to ask if you would bow your heads in prayer with me, and let's, let's talk to Jesus. Father... We're grateful again to just be in this place, and we're thankful, Lord, for your word. We praise your name for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and light unto our path. And God, where would we be if it had not been for your divine foresight in giving us this, this manual, this book, this, this map, this, uh, this guide that when we open it and we devour it, Lord, and we digest it, that it will not just strengthen our lives, but it will give us direction and it will give us counsel uh, through your Holy Spirit. So we're just so thankful. And as we look into your word today and we have some good old fashioned Bible study, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us, that you would make the word very clear. That's my one prayer right now, God, for clarity, that our hearts will be very, are, are, will be very sensitive to your word, that our, that our minds will be able to comprehend your word, and that it won't just go in one ear and out the next, but that we will be able to apply this word to our daily life. So hear us now. We are your people, the sheep of your pasture, and we long to hear a word from you. So speak to us, God. Your children are listening. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Everybody brought your Bibles. If you brought your Bible, let me hear you say amen. amen. If you didn't bring your Bible, say shame on me. All right, all right, all right. Those who didn't bring your Bibles, those shame on me. Please go ahead and slide next to someone who brought their Bible. I'm going to be using um, a little uh, help with the screen today from Keynote, and I'm also going to be using the whiteboard. So if you can't see the board, I'm actually going to put, put a little mark right here, a little star right here in the middle of the board. If you can't see that star, then I want you to position yourself in a place where you can see it. 
Um, especially if you're in the far ends over here and you can't get a direct line of sight with the board, I want you to position yourself in a place where you can see it. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of James in chapter 1, and that's going to be our main text for today. We're also going to go to Galatians in chapter 5, and we're also going to go to Luke in chapter, uh, what is it? I think it's 18, and we're also going to go to Matthew in chapter 5. Those are going to be our main text today. You know, I've been following, you know, you all have quite a following online. Do you recognize that? And I've been following this church as Pastor Edmonds has been walking you all through the Beatitudes. Have you all been blessed by that series that you all just came out of? Listen, I, was, I, I would go to the gym and, and put it on my podcast, and I would be working out on the treadmill, running a little bit, and listening to that thing. And uh, it has been a blessing to me. So we're going to go back to Matthew in chapter 5 just, just briefly. But our main text is going to be James in chapter 1. And we're going to start with verse number Thank you. We're going to start with verse number 12 of James in chapter 1. If you got it, say amen with me. The word of God says, blessed is the man who endures what? And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the what? The crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is what? When he is drawn away by his own desires, and he is what? Enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to what? Sin. And when sin, and sin when it is full grown, brings forth what? Death, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from, the, from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Uh, this is James chapter 1 and verse 12 through 18. Uh, look, look closely at verse 14 and 15. That's going to be our main text today. James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to what? Sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth what? Death. Now, I mean, how many of us in here want to be victorious over sin? Amen. All of us, we strive and we desire to experience victory in a way that Christ promises that we can experience victory. Um, but I want to I want to I want to I want to try to break this thing down for you um, so that we can really see we can really see where we are with this thing. Uh, the Bible says in verse 15 that when it's all said and done, that sin results in what? Death. OK, so we're going to put we're going to put death. Right up here. And if you got a pen and paper, you know, I encourage you to to follow along, write notes. Death. Sin results in death. Death. What type of death? Go back for me. Go back. 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 Let me. I got a controller, so I'll 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 stay with you. Um. Uh. Uh. What type of death? Eternal death. But but spiritual death. Okay. Any other types of death? Physical death, we know that we've experienced physical death because of what? 
because Adam and Eve sinned, that death has come upon all of us. Um, but primarily it's referring to, like you said, eternal death. Uh, it's referring to specifically that second death, not the first death when your mother or your grandmother died and they're in the grave, but that second death. And as a result of sin, all of us now are subject to that second death. Praise be to God. Jesus Christ has given us another option so that we don't have to become false or come to the second death. However, we recognize that sin, that death is there be, as a result of sin. Amen, somebody. Now, what I've come to experience in my life, as I'm sure you have experienced in your life, is that many of us, we recognize that we don't want death. Amen, somebody. None of us want to go to hell. Uh, uh, At least none of us in our right minds want to go to hell. We recognize that God has given us life and life abundantly, that God gives us salvation. Salvation is free. And we are here today, you're in church today, because, because there's something with inside of you that recognizes that I don't want to go to hell. I want to experience God's ideal for my life. And yet we recognize that death is a result of sin. And so what many of us do, what many of us do is we attack We attack sins in our life because we recognize if I can just get this sin out of my life, then somehow I won't have to experience this death. And so what many of us doing here is we recognize we look at our life and we have sins. What are some sins that we have in our lives? Lying. Lying. What else? Stealing. What else? Cheating. What else? Gossip. All of these things are are sins in our life. And so what we say is, man, I recognize that sin equals death. Sin results in death. Sin brings about death. So if I can just get sin out of my life, then I know I'll be exempt from death. How many of us in here have been successful at getting sin out of our lives? Yeah. So, you know. We trying. (laughs) We trying. In fact, turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. And, and I'm going to need to use, I'm going to use the screen, Pastor Edmonds. And so I'm going to rely on the members to actually have the Bible in front of them. Galatians in chapter five. When you get it, say amen. Galatians five gives us a, a long list of sins. When you get it, say amen. Galatians five. Do you know where I am? What verse? 19. Galatians 5 and verse 19. Can you go back to the keynote for me? I'm going to control it from here. Galatians 5 and verse 19. Um, And just, yeah, stay right there for me and I'll control it from here. Uh, Let's read this list together. Let's read this list. Now the works of the flesh are what? Are evident, which are what? Adultery. What else? What else? What else? Okay, lewdness, verse 20, what else? Idolatry, what else? Hatred. Heresies, verse 21, envy, murder, what else? Drunkenness, revelries, and what else? And everything else that goes with it, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the times past, that those who practice such things will not, what? Inherit the kingdom of God. So, so what, what Paul gives us in Galatians 5 is he gives us a long list of sins in our lives that when we commit these sins, the Bible is very clear that we will not experience, we will not experience eternal life. Now, when you look at this list of sins, have you found yourself yet? You see where you are? Adultery. 
adultery, fornication, lewdness, idol what's idolatry? Somebody talk to me. Idolizing something, idol worship, and that's not necessarily a, 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 a graven image. That can be a relationship. That can be your job. That can be that can be your children. That can be your house. It can be your own ideas of who you are. You idolize yourself. You think you all that. Come on now, talk to me in here. Sorcery, jealousy, selfish ambition, dissensions, which is what? Drama. Tell somebody and say drama. Yeah, envy, pride. What else? Murder. What else? Revelry. What's revelry? What's that? Clubbing. What did you say? War. War. Okay, okay, okay. So, so the Bible is very clear, and I'm going to put that up here. We have all these unrighteous, unrighteous deeds in our life, and we're going to say, as I have up there, bad deeds. And then the list is following, as you see it up there. So we have all of these bad deeds in our life. And what many of us do is we look at this list and we say, okay, mm, I'm struggling with a little bit of selfish ambition. I'm struggling with a little bit of jealousy. Uh, I'm struggling with a little bit of pride. Uh, I'm struggling with a little bit of fornication. Uh, I might not necessarily be sleeping with someone, but I just I have a lot of lustful thoughts or, 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 or I enjoy just my wandering eyes. And so what we do is we look at this list and we say, man, I know I can't be saved with these things in my life. And so let me try to get these things out of my life so that I can experience eternal life. But what James chapter one tells us, turn back there to James chapter one. That's going to be your main text. So I need you to keep your fingers there. James chapter one, what James one tells us, it says that verse 14, if you got to say amen, each one is tempted when he is what? Drawn away by his own desires and what? Enticed. Then when desire has what? Conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, what? Brings forth death. So what James 1 tells us is that the only reason sin is in our life is because of this word we've come to know as temptation. The only reason there's sin. The only reason you, 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 you might find yourself on this list is because you, there is temptation in your life. Let me explain it this way. If you were never tempted to sin, you would never sin. Sin is a result of temptation. Now, we know very clearly that, 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 that temptation is not a sin. But temptation does what? It leads to sin. So there, if I was never tempted, I would never sin. In fact, if I sequestered, let me give you an example. If I sequestered myself off in some remote village, some remote island where it was just me all by myself and no one else was around me, could I sin? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, you could still sin. But could you lie? It's just you. Who are you going to lie to? You said there's some people in here lying to themselves, huh? Could you, could you, could you, could you have, could you, all by yourself, could you have jealousy? Y'all not work with me in here. Understand what I'm saying? 
that temptation, sin is a result of temptation. Now, granted, in our minds, we know that this is where the sin takes place. The sin is not me acting out. The sin is, is in my thoughts. So, yes, you're very true that if you sequester yourself off and you're all by yourself in a remote village, you can still sin even though you're by yourself. But my point is I want to illustrate that, that if, if we were not tempted, we would not sin. If you didn't love chocolate cake, you wouldn't be eating chocolate cake. Come on now, talk to me. If you weren't tempted to have a piece of that chocolate cake, if it didn't, if didn't, if didn't speak to you, if the, if the chocolate cake didn't call your name, if it didn't cry out to you and say, come, eat me. If you weren't tempted, you wouldn't do it. If, if, if you were not tempted by, if you were not tempted by, uh, uh, by someone else's wife or tempted by pornography, then you might see it. And you're like, oh, no, I'm not even, I'm not even there. It, it doesn't call your name. It doesn't reach out to you. In fact, the Bible says that the devil came to Jesus or Jesus says us, or Jesus says to me, but he has nothing in me. The devil has no foothold in my life. There's nothing that the devil can offer Jesus that cries out to Jesus and that calls Jesus' name. The only thing that, 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 that the devil thought he might be able to get away with Jesus is when he was in the wilderness, he came with him with three temptations. But if you're not tempted, you won't experience sin. Because the root of sin, the reason we have sin in our life is because of what? Temptation. In fact, in fact, in fact, James 1, we realize that it doesn't just stop with temptation. Even if I sequester myself, as you all have rightly proved me wrong, even if I sequester myself off into some remote village, I can still be tempted even if I'm all by myself. Because temptation, according to James chapter 1 and verse 14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own what? Lust, my version says, he is drawn away by his own desires. So the reason you're tempted to sin is because you have these wrong, raunchy, ungodly desires. So therefore, desires lead to temptation and temptation leads to what? Sin and sin leads to what? So that if I never even desired that chocolate cake, if I never desired that pornography, if I never desired that other man's wife, if I never desired to have that, that next promotion, if I never desired those things, then I will never be tempted to go after those things. And so for most of us, the issue is not that, our, that we're sinning in our life. For most of us, the issue is that our desires are wrong. And if we can somehow figure out how can I change my desires, then that would eradicate the temptation issue, which would deal with the sin issue, which would, which would eliminate the death issue. In fact, David says, you all know what Psalms 51 verse 10 says? Turn with me in your Bibles. I want to read it to you. Psalms 51 verse 10. You all should know it. Psalms 51 verse 10. When someone finds it, stand up and read it for me. Psalms 51 verse 10. Come on now, read it now. 
In fact, David says, create me a clean heart and renew a right spirit with me. What he actually, in the Greek, in the Hebrew, what he's saying is, Lord, create me a clean heart and renew right, give me right desires. David is saying, if I can just get, if I just never desired Bathsheba, I would have never found myself wanting her to come up to me into my room. I would have never slept with her. I would have never, I would have never impregnated her. If I would have never uh, called for her husband, sent him to the front lines, killed him, I would not have lost my kingdom if I would have had right desires. But because our desires are sinful, what happens is it leads us into temptation, which leads us to sin. And the bottom line is this area right here, temptation, uh, 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 it doesn't matter how much intestinal fortitude you have or how you can resist and resist and resist. At some point, it will wear you down. How many of you all have ever watched Family Matters with Steve Urkel? And Laura, y'all know what I'm talking about? And the family, you know, Steve Urkel always wanted him some Laura. And he would keep coming after Laura and keep coming after Laura. And Laura would just be brushing him aside. And Steve, you crazy. And Steve, I don't like you. But, 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 but Steve Urkel's, his, the reason he kept coming, because he recognized, I'm wearing you down, baby. I'm wearing you down. <laughs> you might not want me today, but I'm wearing you down. And so, and so that's what temptation does. Because as long as I have these sinful desires, I can only suppress them for so long before they will just wear me down. So my prayer needs to be, Lord, change my desires. Lord, give me pure motives and pure desires. Lord, it's not the sin that you're worried about. It's this thing down here. It's these unhealthy, ungodly, uh, these raunchy desires that I have that are leading me into temptation, which are leading me into sin, which will produce death in my life. Let the church say amen. amen. And yet, saints of God, there's another level There's another level than just desires that I realize in my life. Because even when we pray that prayer, Lord, change my desires and God changes our desires. There is another level that is still corrupt. And even if I have good desires, if I'm functioning out of that corrupt level, it will still lead to death. That next, this last and final level is what we call self. Everything in my life stems from this thing we call self. What is self? Somebody talk to me. What is self? Myself. Okay. What's that? Evil, okay. What is self? Leaning to your own understanding, okay. What is self? What's that? Outside of Christ, okay. What is self? Someone talk to me. It's about me. It's about what I want, what I desire, what I need, what I, what I long for. Um, self, as I have it here, self is the root. At the end of the day, self is the root of all our problems. It's not even our desires so much. Because what can happen is 
some of us in here can have some good desires. We can have good desires, but if those good desires are still rooted in the self nature, then it will still eventually lead to death. In fact, it'll lead to sin and which will lead to death. Let, 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 me, let me break it down for you so that you can, so that you, so that you're very clear. Um, um, what are some, what are some bad deeds are up there? What are some good deeds that come from the self? We're saying good deeds. Now, let's be very clear because I hear y'all throwing some things out. What is the self all about? Survival, what? My, me, myself, and I? Ego. But what are, some, what are some manifestations of how the self tries to do good things? Talk to me. Okay, okay, there we go. Sharing, what else? Giving, what else? Ah, does love generate from self? Not the real stuff. And if it ain't the real stuff, then what is it? It ain't nothing. What generates from the self life? Patience. Does patience generate from the self life? Maybe tolerance. I don't know about patience. Let me let me give you an example. Let me show you Bible. Let me show you Bible because I want you to, I want you to get this thing. Turn with me. Ooh, turn with me to Luke in chapter eighteen. Luke in chapter eighteen. Luke in chapter 18, and turn with me to verse number 11, when you got to say amen. Luke in chapter 18, verse number, verse number 11. Pastor, if you want to throw it up there, you're, you're more than welcome to. Luke chapter 18, verse number, let's start with verse number 9, if you got to say amen. Also, he spoke the, this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were what? Are y'all with me in here? And to some he spoke this parable who trusted in who? Who trusted in themselves. And he, and he says, Luke chapter 18 and verse 9, they, they trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. Why did these men go to the temple? Come on now, stay with me. Why did these men go to the temple? to pray. Two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Extortioners and what? Unjust. What else? Idolaters or even as this what? Tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me. What? A sinner, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be what? Two men went to the temple and prayed. One was praying out of his self. The other was praying out of his spirit. It's possible, good deeds, it's possible to pray. A, a manifestation of the self is prayer. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me break this thing down for you. Prayer. What else? Fasting. Worship. Service. 
What else? Giving. Giving. We got that one up there. What else? Mm, Come on now, y'all. I need y'all to stay with me now. Understand where we're going with this thing. We're talking about how the self-life, which is not of God, the self-life often generates good deeds, not because the self is really concerned about glorifying God, but because the self is concerned about getting glory for itself. And so what are the things that the self-life will do that will appear to be good deeds? Let me give you a list here. Good deeds. Vegetarianism. Charity. What else? Modesty. What else? Can the self worship? We just read it in Luke chapter 18 that he came to the church and he came to pray, but he wasn't really trying to pray. He was just exalting himself. What else? Tithing. He says, he says, I, I came. He said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this man, but I, 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 I give tithes on all that I possess. What else? Praying. What else? Fasting. What else? Can the self preach? Tolerance. What else? Oh, we see a whole lot of self in singing. Am I lying about it? What else? Acts of service. What else? Humanitarian goods. What, what, what do you see going on here? All of these things underneath the good deeds are, can, can, not always, but can be a manifestation of the self-life, especially within the Seventh-day Adventist church. Because in the Adventist church, we have created a culture that you have to look good to be accepted, that you have to fit a certain paradigm and make sure that you do certain things. And so one thing, you got to be a vegetarian. Well, you used to have to be a vegetarian. Come on now, say Amen. Uh, that you need to be at prayer meeting and you need to be doing these things. And you have to be. And so we've created a paradigm. We've created a culture that encourages these good acts. And they are indeed good. But when they generate from the self, when they generate from a place inside of me that is only doing them because I want some type of recognition for myself, it will eventually lead to sin and it will eventually lead to death. What is my point? Because because good deeds. Let me say it like this. Here we have. Let me see. Witnessing. The, these good acts is what we call self-righteous. So it is the righteousness that is trying to be produced from the self-life. Are y'all with me in here? And so, let me give you an example. When I first started preaching, back in 99, the first sermon I ever preached I went into my closet, my prayer closet. I didn't know what I was doing. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I said, God, I need you to move. God, I need you to speak. God, I, I never preached before. I need you to do something mighty. And God, he, he answered my prayers and he came down. He spoke through, through me and it was a powerful experience. And, and after he did the first time, I said to myself, man, I like that. Okay, God, I need you to do that again. And he did it again. I said, okay, God, I need you to do it again. And he did it again. And it got to a point where I said, well, you know, God, I got this. And my preaching became not about the manifestation of the power of God in my life, but my preaching was a manifestation of my own ego or my own self or my own person striving to, to perform in such a way where I would get applause from the congregation. Let me come a little closer to you. How many of us, not in this church, of course, how many of us know that the self-life is sometimes so much involved in our singing? 
You, you, yeah, you, you know it is. Uh, uh, you, you were the one who was slated to sing this Sabbath, but uh, because something came up, they had to switch it out. And now you're not singing, but someone else is singing. You're mad because, well, I, you know, they know I can sing better than her. Uh, and, and why they got him up there singing it. They know that ain't nobody like to hear that person sing. What, what is that all about? It's all about self. Let me tell you that self-righteousness always leads to unrighteousness. You see, a lot of us look at our lives and we say, well, I don't have these bad deeds in my life. I'm not committing adultery and I'm not committing uh, fornication and I'm not doing these things. And, and I have my life in order. Uh, and when you look at my life, I see all of these good things. But if it's rooted in the spirit of self, I'm telling you today that self-righteousness will always lead to unrighteousness. What are you talking about, preacher? Okay, so I'm singing in the choir, and my singing is based on self. So what happens is I get, uh, I'm no longer first chair, but now I become second chair, and someone else takes my singing. And and immediately, uh, because my singing is based off of the self-righteous, I then jump over here, and I find myself being jealous or envious. Let me give you another example. Uh, uh, I'm, 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 I'm paying my tithe in the church. And I know that's what the church expects of us. And that's what the church does. And, and I'm expecting, I'm expecting that when I pay my tithe, the pastor's going to recognize it. He's going to call me and make me an elder, make me a deacon. Uh, and I'm giving the more I give, I want to be the first elder. And so I'm paying my tithe. But when the pastor doesn't call me and give me that position, I get upset and I begin to plot. How can I get rid of this pastor here? Am I lying about it? Y'all know I'm telling the truth. There is so much in our life that is generated from the self-life. And as as a result, God says, listen, yeah, you can have all of these things. What happened to those that Jesus encountered in Matthew 7 where where they came to him? They said, but Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? And what was Jesus' response? Depart from me. I never knew you. And so in our lives, in our lives, it is very, we are, it is very, very, very tempting. It is very likely, better word, that that much of what we can do can be generated from the self-life. Let me give you an example here. Anything that does not stem on you waiting on God is self. Anything that can be produced and done without depending on the Holy Spirit is self. Anything that one can decide according to one's own will and for which one does not need to seek God's will is self. Anything, whatever, whatever one's heart does that does not have a sense, whenever one's heart does not have a sense of utter helplessness and a need for complete dependence on the Lord, one is doing the works of self. In fact, the Bible, the Bible describes it all like this. It calls it this word here, flesh. And if you read Galatians, it tells you that the spirit is constantly battling against the flesh. And these two are warring against another. And they are battling and fighting against another. In fact, let's look there. Turn with me to Galatians in chapter 5. I want to read this thing to you. Galatians in chapter 5. Galatians in chapter 5. If you got it, if you got it, let me hear you say amen. amen. Pastor, put it, yeah. Galatians in chapter 5. Oh, let's go up there to verse number, verse number 16. Someone stand up there and read that for me. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16. Someone stand up and read that for me. 
All right. Keep going. All right. Keep going. Yes, sir. Keep going. Somebody help him out. Help him out. Somebody, 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 somebody jump up and help him out. Come on. I need somebody to read this for me. Come on now. For the flesh battles against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you with. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the what? The law. Uh, you are not under the law. For the works of the flesh are following. We just read that list. And so, I, and so my point is this, that I want to be very clear to us today that in our lives, so much of what we do, so much of what we do is based on the self-life. And Christ says that your life should not, cannot, must not be based on the self-life, but your life must be based on the life of the Spirit of Christ. And so that now everything I do, it generates from the Spirit. So when I find myself in a situation where I, 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 I thought I was the best singer, but they just sat me down and they want someone else to sing the solo, what do I say? Oh, no problem. Glory to God. It's all right. I'll get it next time. Uh, 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 as long as God is glorified, I find myself in, in, in whatever situation I might find myself in. I recognize, listen, it's not about me. I want Christ to be exalted and Christ to be glorified. And, and I just want Christ to get glory. You recognize if your life is driven by the spirit or by the flesh based off of what is getting glory from your life. So if you are more concerned about what other people are saying about you and thinking about you, and if you are not getting the credit, I've been, I've been a, a usher for all these years and they never gave me an award, they never gave me an appreciation, then that would be an indicator that your ushering is based on the wrong thing. I'm just here to serve, and I want God to be glorified. I don't want any credit. I don't want any glory for it. I don't need any recognition. I don't need any affirmation. No, no, no. I just want God to get all the glory. More of him, less of me. In fact, in fact, the pen of inspiration, my favorite author, she says, even, she says, even testimonies to ministers, page 70, even, even Seventh-day Adventists are in danger of closing their eyes to truth as it is in Jesus because, con- contradicts, because it contradicts something which they have taken for granted as truth, but which the Holy Spirit teaches is not truth. Let all be very modest and seek most earnestly to put what? Out of the what? And to exalt who? In most of the religious controversies, the foundation of the trouble is that self is striving for supremacy. Pastor, I'm not getting along with this person and I don't like how this person looked at me. And it's like, who cares? Is God being glorified? But because we are so concerned about ourselves. Pastor, they talking about me. Well, praise God. Yeah. Glory to God, they talking about. They talked about Jesus. You think you're better than Jesus? Glory to God. Pastor, pastor, they, they're not letting me sing. Well, well, glory to God. Is God being praised? Is God being magnified? Well, praise the Lord. Listen, she goes on to say, about what? About matters, which are not vital points at all. And which are regarded as such only because men have, made, have, given them, have given importance to them. So we're arguing about things that Christ is like, what are y'all arguing for? What are you all striving over? This means nothing in the kingdom of heaven. 
She says, Review and Herald, February 29, 25, 1902, paragraph 2, I'm instructed to say this, that these words are applicable to Seventh-day Adventist churches in their what? The love of God has been what? This was, a, this was how many years ago? Hundred and what? Eight years ago? More? The love of God has been lost. And this means the absence of love for who? Self, what else? What else? Is cherished and is striving for what? How long is this to continue? Unless there is a reconversion, there will soon be such a lack of godliness that the church will be represented by the what? By the barren fig tree. What did Jesus do to the barren fig tree? He cursed it and what happened to it? It withered and died. Great light has been given to her, the church. She has, been abun- she has had abundant opportunity for bearing much fruit, but selfishness has come in. And God says, I will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou. But pastor, I'm doing all these good things. If it's rooted in the self-life, it will eventually lead to unrighteousness. Self-righteousness always leads to unrighteousness. Say it with me. Self-righteousness always leads to unrighteousness. What is self-righteous again? Self-righteous is when, when the self is the primary one trying to make you righteous. And so you are the one generating all of these things so that you can be seen or so that you can appear righteous. In fact, my Bible tells me that your own righteousness is as, yeah, there it is, filthy rags. Now, now, last night we talked about that we have to relinquish. We have to give up. We have to say, God, I can't do it. God, I'm, I'm helpless. God, I can't, I can't do this thing. What does that have to do with what we're talking about today? It, it has everything to do because what we're saying is that I need to recognize that, that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? And so I have to get to the point where even when it comes to my tithing and my worship and my singing and my preaching and my, and my giving and, 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 and my generosity and my, and my, and my charity, and I'm saying, Lord, I want to make sure that this thing is from you. I can't do it on my own, Lord. Give it to me. I will become selfish. I will become self-centered. In fact, the manifestations of the self-life are self-centeredness, self-reliance, self-sufficiency. What else? Self-dependence. Uh, basically anything that starts with self. A manifestation of the self-life. And God says, no, you need to be spirit-reliant and spirit-dependent and spirit-sufficient and spirit that your whole life is, 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 is oriented around the spirit of God working in your life. There's nothing I can do on my own. And if I try, God looks at me and says, what are you doing? Your own, your own attempts or like filthy rags. What, in, in 21st century, your Lord of version, your own attempts only make things worse. Last one, she says, we may be complete in Jesus Christ only as we are emptied of what? Self. When our life is hid with Christ in God, what, is ha- what happens? Self is lost. Where does it go? Submerged where? In the breath, what else? Read it with me. The length, what else? The depth. Come on now, read this thing with me. The height of what? Where is self? It is submerged in the love of Christ. And so when you recognize how much Christ loves me and how much he died to save me, what inevitably happens is self is forgotten. So it's not about me or what I want or my goals or my agenda or my ambitions or, or my desires. I just want God to be glorified. 
What would the church of God look like if everybody had the spirit? I told my church one day, I said, we need to be a church, as the Bible commands us, that we prefer one another before ourselves. So that when it comes down to eat, pot, eating potluck, the first person in line says, no, no, I can't go first, you go. And the next person says, no, no, I can't go, you go. And there's a, big, there's a big traffic jam around the potluck table because no one wants to go first. Because everyone's saying, no, 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 you go first. I want to put you before me and you go first. And we are so intentional about making sure that I want to prefer my neighbor by myself. I open the door for someone. They say, no, you go out. No, 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 you go out. No, no, no. And there's a hold up outside the door because no one wants to leave first. Because our minds are so intentional. Lord, I want to serve others. I want to glorify your name. I don't want it to be about me. I don't want it to be about what I'm doing or my voice or my style or my preaching or my agendas or anything that has anything to do with me, oh God. I want you to get all of the glory. She goes on to say, let the burden of every soul be to know the love of Christ, which does what? Surpasses all knowledge. Yo, so in our lives, I'm wrapping up, in our lives, we have, so saints of God, hear me now. We have to understand that God, I have myself, Pastor Lord, Seth, your Lord, I have some tendencies to want to do good things based off of just, I want the recognition and the affirmation that comes with them. But Lord, I know that's not from you. Because you teach me in your word that it's never about me. In fact, the reason why we're here, the reason Lucifer got kicked out of glory is why? He tells us, I, I will be exalted. And I will sit on the mount of the Most High, and, and I, will, I will be king, and I will be God, and, and, and they will worship me. And everything that he did was caught up in himself. The kingdom of God is based on the law of the spirit of life. That my entire life comes from, it is the outflow of the spirit of God. Somebody say spirit of God. The spirit of God moving in my life. So my victory over sin comes from God's spirit moving in my life. God, I can't, I can't control my thoughts. God, I can't control the demons of my past. The skeletons are too great, God. Lord, I just relinquish it. Lord, I'm trusting you. Lord, I need you to come in. Father, I, I, I can't do it on my own. Listen, the reason the church of God has the tendency to look down upon other individuals when they come is exactly what we read in Luke 18. Is because we have arrived, and yet our arrival is based on ourselves. So I feel like, hmm, I've gotten the victory over this, and uh, I, I, I have uh, ordered my life in such a way where I, I'm not sinning anymore, and I, and I pay tithe, and I fast, and, I, and I, I'm at prayer meeting, and, and, and you don't do what I do, and so you need to get your stuff together. It's so easy to point fingers at someone else when what you're doing is based off of your own efforts to do it. But when you recognize that there's nothing good in yourself, that you are, you are poor, you are blind, you are wretched, you are miserable, that there is nothing good in your soul. When you look at other people who are struggling in sin, your heart of compassion goes out to them. Because you recognize if it wasn't by the grace of God, God has done something in my life. And if God can do it in my life, God can do it in other people's lives as well. Yes. This is what the church of God is supposed to be like. The church of God is supposed to be so endowed with the spirit of Christ that there is so much love in this place that people on the outside, listen, they don't have to hear a Daniel Revelation series. They don't have to, they don't have to be taught about the 2300 days. All they need to do is see the love of Christ in here and they want to join this place. They want to be here because they have never found a community, a family like this that just loves one another unconditionally. You're short. Tall, wide, skinny, 
white, yellow, black, brown, green, doesn't matter, we love you. Prostitute, pimp, doesn't matter, we love you. Addicted to drugs, addicted to porn, doesn't matter, we love you. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter what's going on. Uh, 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 have been in the church all your life, and listen, doesn't matter where you are, listen, we love you here. That's supposed to be the church of God. That's supposed to be the family of God.